You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Cavaliers podcast. As always, I'm Chris Manning, your host from Fear the Sword and the Step Back. Today, uh, we're going to have a preview of Cav Raptors that you will hear after this. It's me and Sean Woody from Locked On Raptors chatting about tonight's game and the East and all, and all of that fun stuff. But, uh, late last night, we get breaking news that the Cavs are going to sign center Eddie Tavares who is currently was currently playing for Raptors 905 in the D-League, and they're going to cut Larry Sanders. This is per Shams Charina of the Vertical, and they're also going to add Dante Jones. It's still going to happen. LeBron also will not play Wednesday night. Um, and, and so if you're going to the game or going to watch, uh, no LeBron, probably Kyrie. Um, and we'll see if the new guys play. They will at least sign it and be playoff eligible. But... This is a bit of a shocker. Um, I'm not going to say that I like had this all this coming or anything like that, but it, it to me it's pretty telling. We're going to hear more about this from Lou on Wednesday, I'm sure, and from Griffin on Wednesday, I'm sure, um, probably before the game. So we'll have that for you on Thursday, uh, Thursday's recap show. But if you just look at this in a, in a vacuum, it, it's pretty telling to me that they either thought Sanders was just never going to cut it, um, maybe something is more wrong with Tristan Thompson than we, than we realized, um, and Tavares is an interesting prospect. It's a multi-year deal. We don't know 100% what that means. It could be um, non-guaranteed after next year. I can't imagine he would have signed a deal that wasn't guaranteed for at least a good amount of money next year. That wouldn't have made sense to me. Um, but he has been really good in the D-League. He's probably been, he's definitely, I think, been better than Eric Moreland. He's, he's averaging uh, some pretty good numbers, shooting almost 60% from the field, blocking shots, rebounding. Uh, he and he, he came in the league really raw. He came in the league in 2014, and that draft first played in 2015-16. Struggled a little bit with Atlanta and didn't really find its footing until the D League this year. But he's only 25 years old. He's got a lot of upside, um, and maybe the Caps think they have some here. We'll see if he ends up playing at all. We'll see if he's active Wednesday. We'll see if we hear from him Wednesday. Um, but a pretty interesting thing for the Caps, and you got to feel gutted for Larry Sanders. It sucks for him because he was just getting settled. I thought he had improved in his time with Canton. Uh, the Cavs did invest some time into him and invest some money into him, and they're gonna cut. They're they're gonna get rid of him, and that sucks for him. But it's it's a business and it's brutal. Hopefully, Larry gets another shot. Uh, maybe he'll play with a summer league team. Maybe he'll end up back with the Cavs. Who knows? But uh, Eddie Tavares. Eddie Tavares is gonna be a Cavalier. And Larry Sanders is on his way out. That's that to me is the basic thing here. Dante Jones is coming in, so you're gonna have a Cavs roster with two new faces on the last day of the season. Never dull covering the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, so we'll see what this means. We'll see exactly what it means. I think guys like Chris Reichard and Blake Murphy and Sam Vecini are gonna give you a really really good um, indication of. What, what he could be. he I think he's talented. I think what I saw of him playing in the D-League was pretty interesting. 
they're gonna give you more details. So if you wanna go find those guys on Twitter, um, we'll talk about the first. But he's a seven-three guy with that put up good D-league stats. Was on the best D-league team, Raptors nine of five. Just played the Canton Charge in the playoffs. Um, and it's an interesting move, and it sucks again for Larry Sanders, but I mean that's sort of the business here. Um, and we'll hear more about this on Wednesday. They give you some more context from this. Um, as Wednesday's more details come out, um, I will be posting on Set Free the Sword, and, uh, and maybe I'll do a quick little podcast uh, that I'll just record on my phone and add to that. But um, just want to let you guys know that Dante, jo- or Dante Jones will be a Cavalier. Eddie Tavares coming in as well, and Larry Sanders um, after being signed by the team on March 13th, less than a month ago, and the team calling him a long-term play um, is on his way out on the last day of the year. So Cavs Raptors tonight. Uh, Sean Woody and I talking about the game up next. We'll talk again tomorrow. Cavs-Raptors recap, regular season. Look back a little bit. We'll talk about who the Cavs are going to play and this signing. Lots to talk about, always, as always, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So uh, stay tuned if that's tomorrow. Look for some more coverage throughout the day today. Um, and, and have a good Wednesday. Enjoy the last day of the regular season. We'll be back again tomorrow, probably later today as well. Um, again, Eddie Tavares, Cleveland Cavalier. Dante Jones, Cleveland Cavalier. Larry Sanders on his way out. Now here's myself. And Sean Woodley talking about uh, this game and its implications for both teams in the state of the East and, and a whole bunch of fun stuff. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Chris Manning from the Locked On Cavaliers podcast. And I'm Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors. Uh, Chris, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Uh, so now it's... Getting towards the end of the regular season, the Cavs and the Raptors are both in interesting places. They, Weirdly enough, they play in the regular season finale for both teams, which to me uh, is kind of, I, I kind of think that's a bummer because I'd like to see these two teams play earlier in the season because I, I think from the Cavs' perspective, there's a good chance they're not going to play anybody on Wednesday, which means we're going to get the, the Bruno and Larry Sanders showdown on uh, Fan Appreciation <laughs> Night in Cleveland. But uh, it's sort of interesting that these two teams are, are playing in this time because, I, I Sean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they haven't played since the the, the Raptors have made all the, the the PJ Tucker move and the Serge Ibaka move. They haven't played, I think, since like late November. They played three games like right out of the gate, and the Raptors lost all three. Um, even though the Raptors started the season pretty well, like most of the Raptors' first five or six losses came to either the Cavs or the Warriors, um, and like the Clippers when they were playing really well. Um, so it was hard to gauge because they were like really sort of blowing everybody else away. Uh, and uh, it would have been nice to sort of like get games against the Cavs throughout the season just so you could like track progress um, because this entire season for the Raptors is kind of being measured against the Cavaliers um, that's kind of what the coming into the year that was kind of the whole thing is you know okay they established with the second best team in the east how do they compare to the Cavs and then to have all three games you know all three meaningful games against them done in November it's kind of a bummer because yeah as you mentioned this game on Wednesday I don't know if they're like maybe between two teams that are like trying to tank for a lottery pick but like these two teams are going to be it's going to be a serious tank battle to see who can lose this game because like the Raptors have no incentive for the Cavaliers to fall out of the one seed. Ideally they'd like to have the Cavs uh, stay in the one seed, stay out of their bracket until the Eastern conference finals and, and, and have it go like that and play the Celtics in the round two, because I think the Raptors and Celtics, that's not a matchup that favors the Celtics very well. Um, so there's no incentive for the, the Cavs to fall to two for the Raptors and you know, the Raptors, if they can get, give the Cavaliers a win and have one of the two that is the magic number for the Cavaliers right now come from them, uh, that would be ideal. But I I just think both teams are really, really, really going to try to lose. 
Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. Like, I think the Cavs... Do, I don't think the Cavs have much to gain from actually, like, getting the one seed. Um, I think they're going to feel like they're fine either way. Um, I think you certainly have some things with them that aren't great, which we're certainly going to get into on today's show. But them playing Toronto in the second round to me would be sort of an interesting decision just because I feel like if Toronto is fully healthy and they're clicking, they're probably the worst matchup for the Cavs. I, I look at Boston, and I th- and I wa- I, and that Wednesday game from last week really does stick out of my mind. But I don't think Boston just has the secondary playmaking and the and the and the overall just kind of stuff to beat the Cavs. They're really going to struggle on rebounding, and and if they're gonna like if they're gonna play Mir Johnson, they ran this pick and roll or in that game where the Cavs just decided to make Isaiah Thomas like decide to like have to get around him and and do all that, or he has to make a really just insane pass because Amir John they just ignored Amir Johnson. Boston's mm-hmm. gonna have a bunch of those problems, and like Isaiah is great, and I like Celtics fans get like super annoyed when you like talk about their the team's flaws, but like I think there are limits to what Boston is. Washington is really really good too. Um, they're and they're I think they're t- certainly top heavy and stuff. But Toronto because of Ibaka, because of Lowry, because of PJ Tucker, because of Demar Carroll, like they have a lot that that's gonna make things hard for the Cavs. To me, it feels like they're the best two teams in the East if they're both fully clicking. And that certainly hasn't been the case all year for either team for very different reasons. But it would kind of mm. suck for me to see that in the second round when I would kind of like to see, um, I would kind of like to see like Toronto play Boston. Like I think that'd be really interesting. And I like I kind of the Cavs Wizards to me would be a really fun series as well. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think this sort of setup where Cavs Wizards Celtics Raptors as a second round like was always the most appealing to me. I know people wanted to see Celtics Wizards because of their weird sort of funeral game and all the stuff going back and forth between the two of them. But like, I just think on paper, Raptors, Celtics, and and Cavs Wizards are just more you know appealing matchups. And yeah, the, the Celtics thing, I'm with you in just in terms of thinking they have a playoff ceiling. I don't think it's very high because I think once teams sort of hone in on Isaiah Thomas and kind of cut off the head of their offense, they're really going to struggle. We've seen it, you know, even when he sits this season, their offense completely falls off a cliff. And if you have someone out there that is dedicated to just smothering Isaiah Thomas, I think things are really going to fall apart for them quickly. Um, And I think, you know, you mentioned the Raptors and like, you just kind of listed off all the guys. Like, I mean, Damari Carroll's like, the seventh or eighth guy in the rotation right now. Um, I mean, he's starting games, but he's not playing, you know, crunch time as much as a guy like PJ Tucker is. And I think one to eight, I mean, you, obviously the Cavaliers top three is, is ridiculous. And LeBron is sort of the trump card and everything. But I think if you're looking at depth of rotation, one to eight or one to nine, I think the Raptors probably have all of these teams sort of outgunned. I mean, again, the depth matters less in the playoffs and it's going to come down to closing lineups. And I still think the Cavs are better than the Raptors. Um, but I think, you know, compared to last year when the Raptors just didn't have any sort of solutions for any of the problems the Cavs threw at them. I mean, you saw games where the the, the, the Raptors had to throw like Bismack Biombo and Jonas Valanciunas in the front court because there was just nothing else they could do to counter the Cavaliers. And um, it, it just it wasn't going to work. The Cavs would throw out, you know, these these lineups with like Channing Frye and Kevin Love and the Raptors just didn't have the horses to defend that and didn't have the offensive chops to stay with them on the other end. Whereas this season, I think it's a lot different. I think Serge Ibaka is huge for that. I think he can be out there against those smaller Cavs lineups uh, and defend. We've seen Patrick Patterson play center, too. If Ibaka proves to be a little bit slow, Patterson's been fine as a five this year, too, in, in, in smaller matchups. And if the Cavs are going to go uh, you know, small like that, you can get away with him there. P.J. Tucker's been fantastic as a four this year. 
and he's worked really well with Damari Carroll and sort of switching configurations with them, th- those two playing the three and four together. Uh, he's commented on that a lot, just like how much he likes playing with Damari because they can switch everything so seamlessly. And I think the Raptors are just more geared to to stop what the Cavaliers do on offense. And I think the offense is more potent this season, season than it was last year. I mean, before Kyle Lowry went down, before Patrick Patterson had a midseason injury, the Raptors were borderline historic in their offense. They were number one for a big chunk of the year. Obviously, that's fallen back to earth a little bit, but I think with a healthy Kyle Lowry sort of bombing those pull-up threes he's been you know, so accustomed to doing over the last couple of years, I think they can approach top five. And you know, quietly, the Raptors' defense, after being kind of middle of the pack, you know, between 15 and 20 most of the year, is now eighth in the NBA. They've been like a top three or four defense since the All-Star break uh, with the new addition. So I'm with you. I think the Raptors are the most potent matchup for the Cavaliers in round two or whenever they come across them. Um, I mean, I still don't think they'll win. I think if you're looking at like a Cavaliers-Raptors, you know, if they were played 10 series, I would say the Raptors maybe take three of them. But that's a better shot than they had last year where I think, you know, any series those two teams played uh, was going to end with a Cavaliers win. Yeah, I still think the question for me with Toronto and the Cavs is how are they going to guard LeBron? Like, I think there are two teams in the league that have fundamentally, like, good, like, answers for LeBron, and that's Golden State because they have Draymond and because they have Godala, and they have Durant now, and, like, they have these guys they can throw at LeBron. And then I think the other answer is San Antonio because they have, uh, they have Kawhi. Like, they have this, like, freakishly long, like, just master in Kawhi. But I think if you're looking at teams in the East, like, I think... I think what Boston has is interesting. Like, I think Crowder is, like, well-suited for it physically in a lot of ways. But I don't think they have the depth to do it. Like, and I don't think, like, Horford back there, is, you know, is, is a great uh, counter for LeBron, I think. Marcus Smart, like, does really well for his size. But I don't think, like, he's going to stop playoff LeBron. Yeah. But, like, P.J. Tucker is super physical and has, like, given them an identity. And Carroll was, like, is it has the, the, the prototype of being a guy who can stop LeBron. The, but then the question becomes, okay, if, like, you're going to spend all this time – stopping LeBron like you know is are you going to be able to keep up with all the shooting that they're going to have because I think if you're playing if like Corver and J.R. Smith yeah. are on the floor at the same time like and you're you have two wings maybe paying attention to LeBron are you do you want to leave Kyle Corver open when he's shooting like 38 percent from three or like like above 40 percent from three with the Cavs and J.R. is getting a stroke back and like are you going to leave Kyrie Irving open are you going to leave Kevin Love open the Cavs can run out these lineups with all the shooting where if you're going to have to collapse on LeBron, like, it becomes harder to put a Baca in the paint. Uh, it's some of the issue, you had, like you mentioned, like you had with, with uh, Biombo last year. It was just really hard to necessarily keep him in the paint all the time because the Cavs have all their shooting. But if Kyle Lowry, who I, I have watched the, the first game he came back, he was, like, crazy from that first game back. If he's like, has just an, a Kyle Lowry, peak Kyle Lowry series, and he just, like, outplays Kyrie Irving and just makes Kyrie Irving's life suck because Kyrie's going to have to defend him because of because they can't really slide Kyrie onto a P.J. Tucker or onto a DeMar DeRozan. Like, mm. the series gets really interesting if Lowry is just in fuego from game one on. Yeah, I'm with you there. And to touch on the sort of doubling of LeBron thing that you, that you mentioned, this is what the Raptors tried last year, right, is they tried to not double him early in that series, and it just led to a parade of LeBron getting to the rim and doing whatever he wanted. And then when they started to send doubles, obviously the, the three-point shooting victimized them. And I do think, you know, having P.J. Tucker – as a guy that you can just say, all right, you are the guy who's going to guard LeBron here. We're going to try our best not to send help. It's hard, of course, with LeBron because he's so sort of magnetic when he's out there. But I think P.J. Tucker, 
I mean, DeMar DeRozan has talked about P.J. Tucker as the guy he liked going up against the least in the entire NBA, and you saw it this year. I mean, DeRozan's been pretty much matchup-proof this year, but the two games the Raptors played against Phoenix before the trade, uh, P.J. Tucker completely shut DeRozan down, and Tucker maybe doesn't have the sort of quickness of a guy like Draymond or Kawhi Leonard or even like a Tony Allen. He's more of a, a handsy sort of, you know, hand-to-hand combat kind of defender. I still think that's pretty well cut out to at least try to impede LeBron a little bit. Again, nobody really stops LeBron. Um, but P.J. Tucker, I think, maybe because he was in Phoenix for so long, people didn't really notice it. But I've noticed it since he came. Like, he's got to be like a top five or ten wing defender in the league. And that's something you want to have when you're up against LeBron James. It's at least a chance. And I think Patrick Patterson, uh, we've seen him do a pretty nice job switching onto LeBron sometimes here. He's got some nice size. He's pretty quick as well uh, for a guy of his size. And that's a- another fighting chance they have. They just have more guys they can throw at him this year. And Damari Carroll, you know, he has been perfect. But I think his defense has been a lot better lately. And he wasn't really right last year in the playoffs just because he missed so much time. He only played like 27 regular season games. Uh, came back just before the playoffs and never really got into his groove. So I think he has a better chance of guarding LeBron too. But you mentioned Kyle Lowry, and this is the whole X factor, right? And this is the reason uh, Raptors fans were so apprehensive when he went out was like, is he actually going to get back? It's a wrist injury. Is he going to be able to shoot? And I think since he came back, I think most of the fears have been kind of quelled a little bit. He had a bit of a hiccup in the second game he played against Miami. He was like 5 of 14 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, and like 1 of 5 from the free throw line. But overall, he shot the 3 pretty well. His first shot when he came back was a pull-up 3, kind of a patented Lowry shot. And he, I think he was like 5 of 10 from 3 in that game, or 4 of 9 or something like that. He was 4 of 9 against the Knicks on on Sunday. Um, He seems to be in the groove. He doesn't seem to have too much of an issue. And I still think, just we saw it last year, Kyle Lowry wasn't shooting all that playoffs but just having Kyle Lowry on the floor is much better than having a Corey Joseph or DeLon Wright just because of everything else he does he's the best playmaker on the team he does such a good job of sort of just probing the paint kind of going kind of like a Steve Nash kind of way where he'll sort of go through and sort of scramble the defense and then pick out shooters on the perimeter he's always very methodical when he does that he's not sort of violently trying to find shooters um so Lowry definitely I think unlocks a new ceiling with this team that obviously isn't there when he's not around I mean the Raptors did a lot better than I expected they would without Lowry they were 14 and 7 played really good defense DeMar DeRozan went crazy um but yeah I think Lowry I think represents a pretty significant advantage over Kyrie Irving in a playoff series just because of what Lowry can do on both ends um but what's going on with Kyrie is his knee okay like what's going on there well I I I don't know like it's this is the Cavs I can't figure them out like, they're just, they're utterly confusing to me, um, because, like, he, Kyrie pl- has, like, played, like, great, I think, for a while, and I think, I will say, too, like, in the, in the defense, when it, when it comes to the defense in the playoffs, I think Kyrie's gonna get there, like, a lot better, and I think you, you saw that in the Celtics game, he, like, actually put an effort on that end, and then that's gonna matter. I think Lowry is, like, I think Lowry's just, like, a bad matchup for him, because Lowry's so physically strong. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that's gonna happen in that series it'll be really interesting to watch but like it didn't matter last year you know what i mean like it like it just functionally like ended up not mattering that much the the thing with Kyrie that i i'm kind of intrigued by with him right now is like is the knee to me seems fine but it's like is yeah. he going to is he just going to kind of get back to exactly where he was last year because i think he's been great all year for the most part he's been kind of bad on defense but is he going to flip the switch in the same way uh lebron went into and, and how is he going to you know be this year in the playoffs when last year was like a weird year for him because he comes back midseason and it's he played himself into shape for the playoffs this year he's he played in the summer and then he's played all year now he's got the knee thing which i'm not 100 percent sure how much it was just like a a one-off thing or if this is like a real ongoing issue for him 
well, I mean, I guess we're going to see, right? I, I think, but you have, like, with the Cavs, I think you have a lot of guys in that sort of situation where we kind of got to see everything click. Like, every guy, it feels like, has something that's sort of off, besides LeBron. Like, J.R. Smith's defense has been sort of awful. Like, if you watch all the tape, he's just been ignoring guys. Um, <laughs> like, Corver's got the foot thing. Like, Shumpert's not good. Like, I'm, like okay, can I, I need to know. Like, do you think Amon Shumpert is good? No. Thank and you. Okay, thank the you. Thought of, he's bad. The he's, thought, he's bad. Yeah. The thought that he could have been the return for Kyle Lowry along with a first-round pick gives me nightmares, but <laughs> go on. Like, Earth Earth 3, like, the Raptors got Shumper back for Kyle Lowry. That's that's bad. That'd be super well, that was Well, that was the deal that was on the, on the table with the Knicks before James Dolan got scared because of the Andrea Bargnani fleecing a few months before. What an alternate timeline that would be. Like, the Raptors have oh. a Mon Shumpert. He's, like, oh. not, like, he's not good. Um, and I'm very I like one of the things I, I just don't know what the Cavs are gonna do is how do they approach him in the playoff because they like him because he can defend points because uh, they don't really like having Jr. do that a lot um, and they're not gonna have Corver do that obviously so they, they might keep playing him I guess I don't know <laughs> like but like I don't think he's good but then like Kevin Love is just you know still kind of getting his timing 100% back uh, particularly as a shooter he's he's had some up and down games I think you, with the Cavs you have a lot of guys Kyrie Love Jr. Uh, Corver, like all these guys that had these like little things that they're trying to get get right. Tristan Thompson, uh, Canada's own Tristan Thompson. It looks like he's. I mean, if he's going to play, it's going to be Wednesday, and we probably won't find out until right before the game. And he, you know, I actually think that was kind of a blessing in disguise for the team that he didn't end up playing because I think he functionally just needed rest. Like I think he looked really, really tired. And I think there's an argument to be made that he's like the second or third most important player for them in certain situations because of what he does as a rebounder and because they need him inside. So, like I think I think you have these lot of little things that need to sort of go right. And I also just don't think like if you look at their defense, I don't think they can scheme their way differently in the playoffs to get out of where they've been. I think you can get better, but I don't think they're gonna like fix everything with just scheming. When you especially when you have guys like Kyle Korver, like Kyrie, uh, like Darren Williams that that are just kind of bad defenders. Yeah, that's my thing looking at the Cavs roster up and down. And I just don't really see, other than, you know, just trying harder where they get better defensively. Because, like, I don't think they have many very good defensive players. And, like, they're kind of old in the back end of their bench. Um, and, and, yeah, like, LeBron's probably the best defensive player when he's locked in. Tristan's pretty good, too. But he's kind of, you know, had a down year on that in that regard. And, I mean, we've heard it all along. The Cavs are, like, the 29th defense in the NBA since the All-Star break. And that's not going to fly. I mean, it's just hard to be that effective in the playoffs when you can't stop people. I am still going to wait and see come playoff time to see if they, if this is actually a problem with them or if it was just waiting to flip the switch because I do think LeBron can flip the switch anytime he wants. But I think it's tougher for guys like Kyle Korver or Richard Jefferson or these guys who are older you know, later in their careers and have never really been all that good defensively anyway. I think that's going to be hard. So I do think there are going to be opportunities for teams like the Raptors to exploit them because, I mean, the Raptors have done a masterful job this year, sort of their pet play, and it's very simple, but they'll, you know, get, get a point guard. They'll, they'll do a one-two pick and roll between uh, Lowry and DeRozan. They'll get a point guard and another guard uh, to switch and hopefully get a mismatch and then just attack it. And that's kind of been the way they've beaten the Celtics a lot this year. And I think there's potential to do that if it's like Kyrie and Korver. I mean, you would assume LeBron probably draws – uh, the, the the DeRozan assignment at least sometimes in the in the series, although having him exert all that energy on defense probably won't be great on offense. But 
um, you know, great for the offensive end. But, you know, there's going to be sort of things for the, the Cavs to juggle this year where the Raptors, I think, whereas last year they were just kind of at the mercy of every move the Cavs made and they just tried to counter until there was a checkmate, I think the Raptors actually have things they can do to be on the offensive this year, which just wasn't the case last year. Um, so I think they can take advantage there. And uh, How much do you trust the Cavs' depth right now? I trust it, as the, but it's, some of it depends on how the Cavs deploy it. Like, I think... I would cut Shumpert to minutes pretty drastically. Right. Um, I just don't think he's good. I, I'm a big believer. Richard Jefferson is, like, openly talking about on uh, as he forms, like, this, like, podcasting, like, juggernaut with the road tripping pod. That he's just, like, <laughs> tanking the regular season. So, like, I think he's going to be fine. Like, and I think his his size and stuff is going to be pretty uh, – is going to be pretty important. I, I trust the depth if it's deployed in, in the correct ways. Like, I think Corver is best utilized in these long stretches in the second quarter. I think – um, you need to play LeBron with. I think Darren Williams is really only going to be useful with LeBron because that's where he's just going to find his most success. Um, I think you need to do. You need to go small with LeBron for stretches. You need to do these different things that are going to maximize what the Cavs do well and kind of hide some of their issues. And I think Tristan has to be healthy for a lot of this to work. Like, um, I, I wonder, like at the end of games, like they've they've done this a little bit where they go a little bit small with a big at the five. Is Tristan the guy you maybe go with and at least try to do offensive, defensive subs just because he's going to protect the room really well and, and and he's going to you know rebound really well against a guy like Abaka and a guy and guys like Valanciunas and stuff like that. So I, I trust it to as much as it's going to be used in the correct way. Like I think you have to minimize Shumpert. I think you have to can maybe not give a ton of minutes to. Um, to Darren Williams, I think you can go eight, nine deep, but I think your top seven guys probably into being something like Kyrie, Jr., LeBron, Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, Kyle Korver, um, and then Channing Fry. I think has to play by virtue of them needing another big to play. But and Richard Jefferson, of course, so you got eight guys there, and then you have Darren, you have Shumps, so you get up to you get up to ten. I, I think Shumps minutes kind of have to be cut, though. So. I don't know. I, tr- I trust it to an extent, but I think it just has to be deployed in the right way. And I, I do think that Cavs have counters to a lot of things, but it's like I I, I don't think like Delhi they don't like miss Delhi a ton. But, yeah. Like, but because he's not that good, but like <laughs> you, you you miss like aspects of what he brought. I think like it's it's going to be harder for them last year to do some of the gritty, um, type of more physical play that they did last year. Darren Williams is not going to do what Delhi did last year and just like body guys. You know, like he, that's not his game. Right. Is there like, any team? Jump's like, not gonna do that. Yeah. Is there any team in the first round that gives you any sort of pause? Was so like, I, I I keep I keep looking at this, and Raptors fans are weird, where they just assume the Raptors are gonna have a tough tough time getting out of the first round, just because that's kind of been history. I although, mean you, I mean, if you play I, the Bulls, like you're probably gonna lose in four. So. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> like no, look. I mean. And the yeah, Cavs might me, too if the game ends up like if just oh yeah last minute TNT twist so the NBA is doomed if that happens <laughs> like we're, we're all screwed. Yeah, no, but for me, like, I, I keep looking at the bottom teams in the East, and like I said, Raptors fans have this thing where they just assume that the first round is going to be a slog and it's going to be hard, and I think people are undervaluing how good this team is right now because, uh, like, we haven't really seen it all together just yet. We've seen, like, three games with Lowry back and Ibaka and Tucker, um, but I do think the upside of this team is significantly higher than it was last year, and I just think the teams in the East, like, none of them are all that inspiring. Like, the Bucks, everyone seems to be so scared of the Bucks. They have, like, three dudes. Like, I just... I can't get there with any of those teams as like a real upset threat, except maybe the Heat against the Celtics in round one, and that's mostly just fueled by my Celtics dislike. But um, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, the Celtics I just, are just like a, like no offense to like their fan, they're just annoying. The, the Celtics are just like the most annoying team in the East. 
Yeah, the South looks like a good heat. <laughs> just, <laughs> just an annoying version of the a good version of the annoying heat. The, the game against the, the heat, the, the the Raptors game against the Heat on Friday was, I don't know if you saw it. It was just a slog. Like the Heat are throwing out this full court press stuff, and like Wayne Ellington's running around screens like he's Ray Allen. It's like stop it. This is annoying. But like even then, like I'm not scared of the Heat in round one. Like, is there any team down there that gives you any sort of worry? I think so. I don't think any of the teams actually are gonna like beat the Cavs or maybe even take it like six games. But I think yeah. they're all. I think like if you look at who they're realistically gonna play, so like you have Miami, you have Indiana, you have Milwaukee. Um, like I think if Atlanta would have, if like they would have just beat Atlanta, you know, and like Alfred would see Atlanta would have just like collapsed. Like I think that might have been ideal because they just like the Atlanta is the Cavs is like personal punching bag, you know, like that's that's just like how it's been for the last two years, for, fortunately for them. But like the Indiana, Chicago, like those, all these teams that are sort of in that mix for that eight seed, they aren't necessarily like good teams. But I think they all have things that can make the Cavs' life uncomfortable, at least make the Cavs like work at certain things, right? Like you have Giannis is Giannis is great, like like Giannis is yeah, incredible, he's like ridiculous, like the, LeBron's gonna have to come out and guard him and slow him down probably. Um, Paul George has been incredible for like the past month and a half, like, and that that's something certain you got to go with too. Uh, the Bulls have Jimmy Butler. He's going to guard LeBron Ray physically, and that's a thing. And with the Heat, it's like, one, they have the MVP of the league, Deion Waiters. Um, mm-hmm. They have the drama. You didn't even laugh when I said that. That's just shouts to Deion, man. Um, <laughs> uh, they have the drama, like the Pat Riley thing. Like, the, 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 these teams have played chippy. Like, Whiteside's going to, like, get his numbers and kind of push Thompson. Like, and the, Dragic is going to push Kyrie. I think all these teams, at least in theory, have the ability to, like, really make the Cavs' life uncomfortable, kind of like what the Pistons did last year, where, like, it's physical, uh, the Cavs get pushed in, in spots, but they end up winning all these games sort of comfortably, and I, I think that's sort of the more likely outcome of things. Um, but, I, I mean, how do you feel, like, how do you feel about Toronto? Like, they're locked into that three seed. That means right now that would mean Milwaukee, or and it could mean, you know, like, the Hawks and stuff like that. Are you hoping the Hawks end up at six? Honestly, like I, I don't even care if it's the Bucks at this point. Like I think the Bucks are the scariest of all those teams. Mm-hmm. Like the Hawks would be lovely, um, but because they decided to beat the Cavs back to back, that's uh, the throwing a wrench into things. Um, but the Bucks, like, yeah, Giannis is amazing, but he also is a twenty-seven percent three-point shooter, and I think people kind of overlook that. And I think that's something that can be exploited in a playoff series. Like playoff series are all about trying to expose you for your flaws and that's something that's gonna you know i think that's something Giannis is gonna have to reckon with come playoff time and maybe he can get hot for a while and and make the raptors or whoever they come across you know pay for letting him shoot but i think teams are going to be really sort of conservative against him i think they're going to go under screens i think they're just going to give him all the space in the world to shoot and good luck and i think other than that i mean chris middleton there's been this conversation about Chris Middleton that I just don't really understand. Like, he's really good. I love Chris Middleton. But, like, I saw people yesterday, shout out to Justin Rowan, um, like, saying that he's better than DeMar DeRozan. And it's like, yeah, Chris Middleton's really good. He's a really good two-way player. But, I mean, DeRozan scores at an absurd volume at a really good efficiency rate uh, over the last little while here, especially. I mean, he's just been on fire. Um, his defense has ticked up late in the season after P.J. Tucker kind of threatened him, um, it seems, yeah, yeah. in the players-only meeting. Um, so I just think, like, you, you'd rather have a guy like DeRozan on, on your team than, than Chris Middleton for a playoff series, a guy who can just get you buckets whenever they want. And I think DeRozan has proven this year that he's, like, pretty much matchup-proof at this point. And I just don't really see the Bucks being able to slow him down. And, like, the, I mean, regular season history matters only so much, but over the course of the last few years, the Raptors have been 
uh, to the Bucks what the Bulls used to be to the Raptors. Like the, the Bucks could never beat the Raptors. They beat them late late in the season this year uh, with Kyle Lowry out, and it was one of the the worst losses of the time without Lowry. But Overall, the Raptors have done really well against Milwaukee. Jonas Valanciunas usually feasts against them because they don't have a big who can stretch him out uh, and get him away from the basket. It's Greg Monroe, which John Henson. Like, those are guys that he can really succeed against. Um, so I just think it all sort of tilts the Raptors' way anyway. I mean, I love the Bucks and they're fun, and they're going to be really good. They're the future of the Eastern Conference, probably, but I just don't think this is the year. Other than that, like, the Pacers, I just don't think are the same team they were last year that brought the Raptors to seven in the first round. Without George Hill, I just don't know how they stopped Kyle Lowry. I mean, George Hill was such a force against Matt, the Blatch. George Hill, like, forever is underrated. Like, forever yeah, he, is underrated. He was, he was absurd last year in that playoff series. Just was in Lowry's grill the entire time. Um, and then Paul George got super hot. I don't really see Paul George being that player again this year. Like, he just doesn't look like he's that into it. Um, and maybe he can turn it on come playoff time. I don't know. Like, he's super talented. But I just don't think the roster there is all that talented, really, outside of George um, and then Miles Turner, who's kind of hit a sophomore wall. Um, yeah, I, I just – none of those teams I can really get there as being a real upset threat to any of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. I really think it's going to go chalk until the second round, and then I guess we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I think there's always, like, one upset, you know? Like, there's always, like, there's, like, one sort of, like, quasi-upset. But I don't know what it would be this year, right? Like, even if you look at the West, like, the the Blazers are not beating the Warriors. Like, no. I have a hard time seeing the Grizzlies beating the Spurs. That's the one for me. Oh, really? You, th- you think one? so? That's interesting. I, I... It's just, like, is it... Like, I mean, they're going to play sloggy, and, like, the, I, the Spurs are sort of built for the regular season in a lot of ways. Yeah, I just, like, who's the Spurs' second best player? I don't know, man. Kawhi is just really good. That's, that's, He's that's like freaking amazing. He's ridiculous. But, like, who's their second best player? And like, I'm not – I don't know. They, they, I mean, I'm probably stupid because the Spurs win 60 games every year and they're a juggernaut. But, like, they also kind of seem to disappoint in the playoffs sometimes too. Yeah. yeah. I think mean, about they, the yeah, last little while, other than winning the title, like, they've had some real disappointments in the playoffs. Losing to the Thunder, they lost to the Clippers that year. Uh, lost to the Grizzlies, you know, earlier on in this decade. I mean, they're, they've had some issues – in the playoffs, so that's that would be the one I look at, I think. But I mean, yeah, that's not. I mean, that's Vegas. Like, I don't think, but I like, I don't think the Thunder are going to beat the Rockets. No. Um, like I, th- I think like Russ might drop like fifty in a game or something like that, but it's not going to matter. Like, I don't. The series is going to be fun as hell. That's oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't think, and I, I don't really consider like let's say the Jazz or the Clippers, whoever that shakes out. Like, I don't think the five seed winning that series is like necessarily an upset. Like, I think those two no. teams are sort of close. Um, in yeah. a, in a lot of ways. And I think you're right about like the bottom of the East to me has like got like really individually great players, um, pr- like pretty much every like Miami doesn't have like the the same caliber as a guy as Indiana or Milwaukee or Chicago like those guys have stars with like kind of bad supporting cast right like the Bucks like yeah. I, I'm a, like you're right like Middleton's great, um but like the, you know if Malcolm Brogdon's like your fourth best player or something like that like that's not great um, you ha- you have these like issues there. And I, but I think maybe the, all these teams get tested. Like, Giannis could just like go freak out and cause some problems. Same with Paul George, uh, same with Jimmy Butler, and maybe, and may, I mean, maybe that's what happens. And maybe we get something crazy like where Giannis like play like they end up in the five seed and like they beat the they just like he just destroys the Wizards or something like that. Like maybe that'll happen, but it seems really unlikely. Yeah. But it's like I also think the top of the East this year is definitely better than it was last year. Like I think wh- whoever the Cavs and the Raptors individually yeah. face in the second round. Um, I I think that like if it's each other, if it's like Celtics Raptors, like I think all those teams are in for pretty tight series and pretty interesting series. 
Yeah, the East was a pile of crap last year. Like that, oh, yeah, that Heat terrible. team should not have made the second. They were the three seed and they made the second round. That Heat team was terrible. Absolutely like, terrible. Like Dwayne Wade was. I mean, he hit a bunch of threes in the in the in the playoffs. But like, come on. And then like Joe Johnson was like, you know, the the best like waiver pickup of all time. Like I don't know. I uh, the, yeah, the East is a lot better this year. Like I would put the Celtics, Raptors, and Wizards like on par with like the the jazz clippers and even the rockets maybe in the west like i think they're legitimately good teams now uh maybe the rockets are a bit better with james harden but like i still think like they're that that's a conversation and like they're 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 legitimately good like last year the i think the raptors were almost there i, I just don't think they were as deep as they are this year oddly enough they won 56 games i think they're much better this year with 51 wins or whatever they're going to end up with but um yeah i uh i think the east is good i think it's going to be weird however you know it's going to be fun however it sort of shakes out and it's a weird sort of end of the season here with teams tanking and the last week of the season always kind of sucks but um what's your expected Cavs starting five on wednesday against the raptors uh i have no idea what to expect i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna gonna tell you like my dream starting five because i don't think i don't think you're gonna see lebron and Kyrie. that's my prediction okay Um, I kind of, I'm kind of, we and we don't really know as we're recording this exactly what the the seating is, but I think the Cavs resting players on Monday in a game where the, they haven't cut down the magic number below two since they beat Boston, like it's it just sort of stuck there. I uh, I think that tells you enough. Um, even if the, you know the Sunday game influences it, my my ideal starting five, um, is Kay Felder, um, Dante Jones because they're apparently adding him. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me, I guess, like I'll just, I don't want to see, I want, I don't want to see RJ like playing like minutes. Like I don't think, I think he should rest. So like, give me just, I guess, give me Shump, and then I want a front court of Tristan getting like twenty minutes of just running around, and then Larry Sanders. That's my ideal five. For me, I want Kyle Lowry playing like forty three minutes just to get his legs back. Um, he's uh, been K- looking good. K Feather just gets roasted for like four. Like he just, he just went against like the the rap like Raptors nine hundred five. He was like this, yeah, like, really good, like really good D League team. And like had like good moments, but like kind of struggled in spots. And then it's like, oh yeah, here we're gonna have you play Toronto again. But uh, here's Kyle Lowry. Yeah, from Brady Heslip to to Kyle Lowry. Uh, have fun with that, K. Yeah, uh, so yeah so, I want Lowry I mean, to same, play the same like, thing. Same thing. Yeah, I want Lowry to play like forty something minutes. Uh, just to get his legs under him. I mean, people have been fretting about Lowry's minutes for like three straight years. Um, this is the one time where I think just play him as much as possible, get him as much sort of you know repetition as you can get him because there's not a lot of time here. Um, and he's looked good. He played like 42 minutes in his first game back and scored 27 and had 10 assists. It was amazing. Um, but more of that is good. Uh, at the two, give me some Fred Van Vliet uh, as, a, as a small ball two, <laughs> normally yeah. a point guard. Uh, at the three, uh, give Norman Powell some minutes because I just don't think he's going to play a whole lot of uh, time in the playoffs unless there's a, a, an emergency here or there. He's kind of fallen out of the rotation behind P.J. Tucker, which I think is a good thing because um, Norman Powell has not been very good. Um, it's tough because there's going to be guys. I think Pascal Siakam is going to be with the D League team because their playoffs are still going. Um, but I'd like to see Pascal Siakam maybe start next to Bruno in the front court. Um, maybe get Bebe some time as like a, a point forward, give him the ball in his hands a little bit. He's a good passer. You can't really dribble, but he can pass. Give him the ball at the elbow, move some stuff around there. Um, yeah, I, this is going to be a weird game that I'm excited for in a weird way. Actually, I don't think I'm going to see it. I'm going to be at the Blue Jays game, so I'm going to miss I it mean, anyway. You're, you're not really going to be missing much. Like I'm going to be yeah. covering this game live, and it's Cavs fan appreciation night. It's like the final game of the regular season, and like it's not going to be great. 
Yeah, like, I anticipated the the meaninglessness of this game pretty well. I think buying tickets for that Jays game a month ago. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, good call on your part. And like, I also think I actually got a, a substitute. Like, thing I want to see some Derek Williams as well because I get so many questions about like Derek Williams. Like, why doesn't he play anymore? Because he's like not that good. He's secretly that was, like, uh... not really that good. Yeah, that was James Johnson for me the last two years. Like, I was the one person who was like, James Johnson's not good. Like, he's not going to help you. And he wasn't good with the Raptors. Of course, he's ridiculous with the Heat. But uh, he's a different player who's a a much skinnier player at this point. Yeah, I mean, the the Heat's, like, ability to get people in shape, like, makes me wish, like, I could just, you know, like, give me two weeks in South Beach and maybe be good for my soul. Man, if I was just, like, sent down to South Beach just to, like, even just sweat in the Heat, I would lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we're we're in yeah we're in cold. I just got you, um, did you guys get snow? We just got snow. Like I'm sick of this. No, like, it's I, like it's like 22 degrees today. Well, I mean, I, I guess whatever that is, like 65 or 70 in uh, in Fahrenheit here today. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's yeah. it's wonderful. It's like almost short weather. So yeah, it's like nice here now. Like it's about that here. Yeah. But like last week we got like lake effect snow, and I woke up and was like shoveling the driveway, and I'm just like, <laughs> it's, it's April. Like I need to like I get it, LeBron. Like I get why he went to South Beach. Like. Secretly, yeah. it's okay. You can just admit it was for the weather. Like, I get it. Like, it's nice. Yeah, it helps you melt off the calories. It's all It's all good. Yeah, uh, James Jones gets in shape. Yeah, but I ho- James Johnson. I hope we just get, like, a crazy, like, kind of stupid game Wednesday. That's sort of my hope. Because it's, yeah, like, it's... It doesn't, like, it doesn't mean, really, it doesn't mean anything. If, like, of course, LeBron could play and stuff. But, like, even if, like, LeBron plays and the Cavs, like, you know, they give up, like, 70 points or, like, they give up 130. Like, I don't know how much that game actually means. Like, these teams yeah, are me, sort of locked yeah. into their seedings. Yeah. For me, I really enjoy, like, having these meaningless late-season, like, end-of-the-season games with, the, the like, the knowledge that the playoffs are coming because the, the Raptors used to have meaningless end-of-the-season games that, you know, had, like, lottery odds riding on them, and, like, that was what it mattered. So, like, this is, this is an okay substitution. Like, there was a game in 2012 where Ben Uzo got a triple-double and won the Raptors the game single-handedly and screwed the Raptors out of getting either Damian Lillard or Harrison Barnes in the draft, and they got Terrence Ross instead. And I love Terrence Ross, so I was okay with it, but most people were upset about that. So um, that, that that's the kind of thing that Raptors fans have been used to with the last game of the year. So this sort of weird tankathon will be you know, kind of welcome. It's, it's, it's not that bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the... The thing, like the Cavs were there a couple of years ago, like hoping they would lose, and then like you just win the the crazy lottery odds and stuff. It's certainly more fun, and it's also kind of nice to get that mental break. I think as well. Like I think um, fans are going to get really wound tight by a lot of what's going on. I think that's sort of inevitable, but I th- also yeah. think like it's good to not have to like take all this seriously for a week or two because oh man, yeah. like because it's it gets a lot more dramatic. It gets a lot more tense, and the further and further you go in the playoffs, it becomes a lot harder to like deal with it all the time if you can just get some some dumb fun basketball like i'm here like i need if k father plays 48 minutes or if they just did a kit and charge raptors not a five rematch like i would be super down for that <laughs> yeah man as, as listeners to locked on raptors know i've been mailing it in for a couple weeks now so <laughs> the playoffs will be good <laughs> yeah just the, you gotta i mean you gotta save up the energy like you gotta rest you know you gotta limit the minutes you gotta cut out the back of bags like you gotta save the cords a little bit you know yeah, you can't yeah insert them when it's not necessary yeah totally yeah, get the get the foam roller action get the get the back right when you're sitting in a chair <laughs> for a while like you gotta you gotta get it right man you gotta treat the body right 
Well, Chris, this was fun, man. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we get to come across each other in the playoffs, and yeah. hopefully it's Eastern Conference Finals because I think that'd be more fun for everybody. But if yeah. it's the second round, we'll definitely uh, hook up for some more podcasts. And uh, are you going to be traveling at all? Will you be able to make your way up here at all for any games? Toronto is the one city if the Cavs make a uh, run in the playoffs. If, if they get the right schedule, it works up in Toronto. Toronto is the city that I can most likely do, which I'm kind of hoping because I like, I like to go to Toronto. It seems like a nice place. It's all right, and I'm here, so we'll meet up, and we'll uh, we can maybe do a live podcast or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Last, last time we did a live pod, it was uh, Sean Hike and a like, guy yelling at us in the arena of the queue. So hopefully it goes <laughs> it goes better than that. All right, man. Uh, this was fun, and we'll we'll chat soon. Take care, man. Later, buddy. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one get one free on our best selling LED light bulbs. Our four pack of LED bulbs is nine ninety nine. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.